to grow fruit in lockdown. Now, don't worry, it's not like some bad talk radio, a uh, little discussion question that you might ask. Uh, what I want to think about is really, is it possible to grow things in our lives? Is it possible for God to do things in us and through us right now, which will have impact, which will have consequences, which will change our lives in a good way now and for the future into all eternity? And we're going to do that by looking at Colossians chapter 1 together, verses 9 to 14. Last week, we looked at the whole of Colossians chapter 1 in this theme of thankfulness, but today we're going to zoom in, and particularly on this little bit, which comes in verse 10, where we, Paul talks about bearing fruit in every good work. So we're going to have our reading now from Laura Weir, who's one of our community. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it changes lives. Thank you that it changes hearts. Thank you that it illuminates things. So as we look at this little passage this morning, we pray that you would help us to get beyond just the facts and into your heart, your desire, your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this uh, little passage in Colossians chapter one is actually one long sentence in the Greek. And it's a prayer for this young church that they, uh, as they go through a tough time, as they go through all the ups and downs, that we're probably similar to what we're facing right now, that they would be fruitful, that they would have a fruitfulness. And we're going to look at the three things that Paul says mean being fruitful. And I'm going to look particularly probably at the first one, um, because I don't want to give you YouTube fatigue, which seems to be a real thing like Zoom fatigue and everything else fatigue right now. Um, but maybe in your community groups this week, you might, uh, might want to spend a little bit of time in the second one and the third one, discussing what that really Really, uh, means for your life. So the four, first thing uh, Paul says is this, that he prays for the church uh, that they would have the fruit of knowing God's will. He says in verse nine, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. And what Paul's doing is specifically, he's praying that they would have like a fruitfulness in their mind, specifically that they would know God's will so that they can join in with God's plans and purposes. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes when we, we talk about prayer, we talk about what we want God to do, we're really thinking about like genie methodology. So it's like, this is my story. This is my plan. This is what I want God, who may or may not look like Will Smith in the latest version of Aladdin to look like. This is what I want him to do for me so that my life can be like I want it to be. When in fact, the Christian story is pretty much completely the opposite of that because the Christian story tells us that God has a plan, that God is in charge, that God is working out good things on the earth. And those first Christians were called followers of the way because they recognized that their task was to follow on with the way of Jesus, that God has a shape for the earth. And so when we think about God's will, what we're really thinking about is how we can order our lives around his will, knowing that he has good things for us. But I don't know about you, but it can be pretty hard to figure out sometimes what God's will is for our lives. I, really, I reckon if, if I always knew what the right thing to do is, uh, life would be a lot more straightforward than it sometimes feels. 
I had the great privilege as a pastor of meeting up, or I used to before I was not allowed to do this anymore, of meeting up with people for coffee and finding out their stories. And the number one question, both here in LA and to be honest, ever before I came to LA, people would say is, hey Ben, this is my question. You've got a great story of what God's done in your life, but how on earth do I find out what God's will is for my life? Uh, often the conversation goes like this. How do I know if God is calling me to be a doctor or an actor, or God is calling me to be a teacher, or an actor, or a filmmaker, or an actor, or something, or an actor here in LA. How do I know what God's will is for my life? And maybe particularly here in this kind of coronavirus season, you'd be feeling like, well, I don't know what that might be, but what I do know is that God's will can't be this. It can't feel like this, because this doesn't seem like the history making that I always wanted my Christian life to look like. Well, Paul says, Actually, we can. We can know God's will. We can know God's will when life is good, but we can also know God's will when life is a bit of a struggle as well. And we can know God's will particularly in two different ways. We can know it in the macro, the big, the general will of God, but we can also know it in the specific, in the personal in will of God. So we're going to look at those two things for a minute. So the first thing is, uh, Paul says uh, that they should know the macro, the big will of God. Um, and that's a really uh, big deal. He says in verse 10, he prays that they would grow in the knowledge, be growing in the knowledge of God. Now, so much of God's will actually comes when we know God himself. That the more we know God's character, that the more we know his attributes, the more we know his mission, the more we spend time studying him and understanding him, then the more we're able to make choices in line with the kind of choices that he would make if he was in our shoes. God prays, in fact, that that, uh, Paul prays, in fact, that they would have such an understanding of who God is that they're able to see the world through God's perspective. That when they answer the questions of life, they would do it with the heartbeat of God. So how how do you do that? Well, the incredibly beautiful thing is that we have multiple different uh, ways to understand God's will. And that's a really beautiful thing. Um, for the last uh, weeks now, or feels like probably years or decades, Laura and I have been doing homeschooling with our kid, or as it's now being known as crisis schooling, which is just the best description, the most accurate description I've heard for a long time. Um, and we, we didn't sign up uh, to do this kind of schooling, but we've had to figure it out. And uh, all I can say is that if you are a mom right now doing homeschooling or crisis schooling, you deserve breakfast in beds for probably the rest of your life and a huge pay rise because it, it's quite tough. And when we, we set out doing homeschooling, uh, we'd start off like 8.30 in the morning. We'd get all the stuff ready, all the emails that had come through from the school, sit down um, with our two lovely kids. And we started to do the teaching through the day. And for like six or seven hours, we'd sit there and we'd get to the end of the day and we'd find out that not only had we taught the lesson, um, but also because our kids are kind of wily and smart and they know how to kind of get what they want, that actually we'd probably answered every single question that the teacher had set ourselves. Because eventually we'd be like, oh, come on, just write the answer 72. Just write down the answer 72 because we just need to get on with the, the rest of the day. And so over the last weeks, we've had to kind of slowly start to figure out that teaching a lesson doesn't mean also answering the questions for our kids. And so we started to do things like this. Hey, um, why don't you just go and read the question? In fact, read it five times quietly over there. Have a go at answering it. And, and then uh, if you've got any questions, come and, come and ask us at, at that point. And by the way, because we kind of know this subject, we have learned it at some point in our life. This is the way that you might want to start to answer the question. And, and that's so radically different. But isn't that how we often think about our, our Christian faith? That we, we want God to go Cheerios or cornflakes for 
breakfast. Come on, God, Cheerios or cornflakes? Or because this is LA, fruit or coffee? Which the answer is clearly coffee, right? Always coffee in LA. Uh, But God has a different way. He says to us, actually, I've provided for you so many ways that you can know my will. And the first way that God's provided a way for us to know his macro, his big will, is through the Bible. We see the Bible sometimes as this slightly complicated history book that's a bit controversial in places. When the Bible is, in fact, God's living word. It's God's way for us to understand primarily who he is. When we read the words of Jesus, we're actually reading a revelation of who God is. When God speaks through the Bible, we know that this is God's will, and we get to join in. Now, it doesn't mean it's always easy, right? Um, The reason we do theology, the reason we do this kind of stuff is because sometimes we have to do the work. We have to understand the context. We have to understand the history and we have to understand what's going on in the passage so that we don't misquote it and just make it feel seem like whatever we want it to seem like. But it's a really big deal to know the will of God through the Bible. But it's also why we, we have things like prayer and worship. It's why we continue, even in lockdown, to do prayer times. We continue to do worship times. It's because we want to know not just kind of what, what God thinks in a factual way about it, but we also want to know God's heartbeat in the beautiful liturgy that we use for communion services. We say we draw near with faith. And that's so much of what it's like, is that we want to draw near, not just to the facts of God, but we also want to hear his heartbeat. We want to allow God to speak into our lives so that, that actually when we draw near, we, we get to hear how he feels about situations. We get, to, we get to have our hearts broken for the things that break God's heart. We get to have our hearts filled with the things that fill God's heart. So there are different ways that we can know the macro will of God. And what that means is that actually when we ask questions like, you know, what am I supposed to do with my time? Or what do I do when someone hurts me? Or what do I do with my money? Or what do I do when I have enemies in my lives? Actually, we know the answer to those things because they are right there contained in the macro will of God presented for us if we will look for them. So that's a really big deal. Fruitfulness then in the macro sense is about us coming so close to God that we hear his heartbeat, that we know his will so we can make good choices in line with what he would want. Um, But of course, there are like other ways that we can know God's will. If the macro will is a bit like the field we live in, and I realize here in LA, we don't have fields. Um, But if we had fields with like hedges around them where we can move around, where there's a safe boundary around the edges, where we have the ability to exercise free will, to use good choices, that's like the macro will of God. But there are also times, not always, but there are times when God will bring the micro will or the specific will of God through a situation. Um, And Paul prays for that. He says at the end of verse nine that they would have all the wisdom and all the understanding that the spirit gives. And you know, we believe as charismatics, don't we, that God can speak powerfully in a moment to bring real radical change. That God can speak in the quiet, he can speak in the lockdown, he can speak in the massive conferences, he can speak on mountaintops. There's so many ways that God can bring specific micro uh, detail to help us make good choices in his world. And Paul was someone who knew how that worked. That the macro and the micro, they're not like opposed to one another. They don't fight. You don't just go like one and we've got to choose between the micro and the macro. But one goes always on top of the other one. And you know, we see it in Paul's life. You know, Paul became a Christian in a radical encounter with Jesus. And he went on with the macro will of God to make disciples of all nations. That was the call of Jesus. And he knew that to live out what it means to follow Jesus. But if you read into Acts chapter 13, you start to see three instances, three ways that God speaks in the micro. The first is that you see in verse two of Acts chapter 13, that he sets aside Paul and Barnabas with a really specific calling on their lives, that God can give us 
callings for what we're to spend our life doing. In verse four, you get this direction about where it is that they should travel. And then in verse nine, you see a prophetic word, a word of knowledge come into a person's life, which is actually quite a deeply uncomfortable word of knowledge if you look at it. But that is how God can speak. And there's many other ways that God can speak in the micro. And you know what? The story of Vintage Pasadena has been so much a story of the macro will of God and also the micro will of God. So much of last year, we were, we were wrestling with the macro. We were like, if, if God was planning a church in, in LA, in Pasadena, what should it look like? What should our worship ministry look like? What should our kids' ministry look like? What would God want our, um, our attitude towards um, people who are struggling in our community? How should these things look? But just a few times last year, God really cut through. He cut through the macro into the micro in incredibly specific ways. And I want to play you a little audio clip because uh, pretty much exactly a year ago, the very first cohort of us at Vintage Pasadena went off to a thing called uh, the Focus Weekend Away. It's the Vintage Network Weekend Away in the Malibu Mountains. And we got a chance to join in with uh, Christians from across all the different vintage sites. And uh, there were great talks from a whole range of different speakers. But the very last speaker of the weekend, who I didn't know at all, was a guy called Sean Boltz. He's a, he's a, a lovely friend um, of vintages and becoming increasingly well-known as a prophetic voice, not just in LA, but across our nation right now. And he gave um, this prophetic word, which was incredible. I'm just going to try this. I, I felt like there might be a Benjamin and a Laura or Lori. Does that make sense to anybody? Is that you guys? Well, hi. I looked at <laughs> Garrett and I was like, he's like, mm-hmm. Couldn't get a signal from him. It worked. Um, where are you from? Why? You guys are just good at attracting <laughs> UK people. It's great to actually be here. Do you live in LA? Oh, good. So you're new here. Um, I just had your name, so I'm trying. I'm waiting on Holy Spirit now because I just all I had was there would be you guys. So um, I'm so glad you're real. Uh, you know, I, I will say this is just someone in LA. Thank you for risking to come here and plant here. And I feel like God's showing me that uh, you could have done a lot of things and you chose to hear. You chose to listen to God who's honoring that place of voice today. And I feel like uh, not only did you come to hear, but you came to help plant. And there's a multiplication on vintage. And you guys came to help plant something. Is that true? And um, I keep seeing our area. We're in Glendale, Pasadena area. Is there something over there? Pasadena. So I feel like God's saying that he's like, you need a word like this, not because you don't believe because you already believe, but he wants to give the word to the community that he sent you and that there's an expansion going on over vintage and that there's team. And uh, the encouraging thing for you guys as a movement is that God's sending people and transferring their full equity of all their history in God to you. Like these guys have paid a price and they've grown in things that you didn't have to raise that up, that you're getting really mature mothers and fathers. And I just felt like God said to welcome you in as a mother and a father and to the city, not just to vintage, but to the city. And I feel like the Lord is saying that over the next, and this is the prophecy part, over the next six months, that you're going to meet a lot of owners of stores and specifically restaurants. I feel like you're going to be out in the community. You're going to meet, you'll be there the days the owners are there. And you're going to just, it'll be a sign to you that God's actually planted you here to be a voice to fathers and mothers and influencers in the region of Pasadena and around Altadena, Glendale, that there's going to be something about a positional authority to understand the business community that's there 
there and to be able to relate to them. And then I also felt like this would affect, I believe you have maybe a son and a daughter, and that this would affect their lives as well, that there's something that, because you made this choice, they needed to see the fruit of this kind of choice because it's such a radical choice to move here. They needed to see it, they're pretty young, and they need to see at a young age that, like the fruit of faith. And this is gonna, you, you need to know that the root you put into your children's life by saying yes to God in this season will be with them forever in their own faith journey. So bless you guys, bless you. It's pretty amazing, uh, isn't it? I, I'd love to tell you that our whole lives have looked like that. I had to wait 36 years. I had so many conferences I went to, were like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I didn't hear anything at all. But it was an incredible moment in Vintage Pasadena life to hear something like that. And I was, as I listened back to that this week, I was reflecting um, that we have uh, four babies due to be born into Vintage Pasadena in the next number of months. And we had one just born um, a couple of months ago now. We've got new life, new families springing up all over the place, which is so beautiful. And I was also reflecting that I, I get to spend a lot of my time actually uh, talking to people in our community and in the wider Pasadena area who, who Sean would describe as influencers, people who run restaurants and businesses, people who have a real uh, impact in the life of LA. And so it's incredible when God brings you know, that micro-specific will of God. And so you might say, okay, right, Ben, what are you talking about that? That doesn't really help me right today. Except that this, you know, when Christians have looked to hear God's will throughout the whole history of Christianity, they've done one thing, and that's this they've gone on retreat. They've gone away from the noise of the world. They've gone to a place where it's a little bit quieter, where there's a little bit more space. And the chances are for you, unless you're a mother doing homeschooling, in which case, bless you saints on earth, the chances are you've probably got a little bit more time right now. And isn't this a beautiful opportunity for us to spend some time to hear the will of God for our lives? You know, it might be that you're really, really used to the macro will of God. Maybe you've grown up in a church which is just brilliant at the Bible or brilliant at prayer. You know, you're really used to that. But maybe in this time, what would it look like for you to take some time to work out a little bit more of the micro story, the micro will of God? And uh, we'd love to uh, encourage you to do that. There's a brilliant book um, called Everyday Supernatural by a guy called Mike Pilavacci, who's just a brilliant um, guy who we love at Vintage. Um, You can get his book. That's a brilliant practical way of just beginning to explore some of the keys around how you hear God's voice in your own life in the specific. But it might also be that you're just like, you know, so much in that Sean Sean Bowles world, we just love those massive, big, prophetic words where you hear God speak in the instance. But what would it look like in this time to take some time out to start to think about like the, 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 um, the macro world, like who God is. And I'd love to encourage you. I said last week, hey, as we read through Colossians, would you read through Colossians with us? Uh, another great friend of vintage is a guy called John Mark Comer. He's written this book called Garden City. And it's such a good book. It's setting out the big story of God in humanity. So I'd love to encourage you in this time to maybe to spend some time thinking about like what is God's will? for your life in the big sense and the small. And I want to pray that, and I will do a little bit long, that you would hear something of the voice of God in this time. The second thing is this, and don't worry, I'm only going to go quickly through the second and the third one. But the second thing is this. He prays that they would have the fruit of knowing God's will, the fruit of knowing it and the fruit of doing his will. Like Paul's concerned, not just in what we know, because it's one thing to know it, but he's really concerned that they would have not just God's perspective, but they would actually do something about it. He says in verse 10, he prays that they may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. 
You know, as Christians, I think across the West over the last two, three, four, five hundred years, we've become really good at knowing stuff. We have brilliant uh, access to resources and theology and sermons and Bible studies. We spend a lot of time like this on Sunday mornings, like hearing and listening, and it's really brilliant to do that. But the question which I always want to ask myself is this, what difference does this actually make on a Monday morning? What difference does this actually do in my life? You know, a, a very famous pastor says, you know, 99% of Christians that he knows, and obviously not you guys, I appreciate, but 99% of Christians have far more knowledge than they have obedience. You know, Gandhi, such a famous philosophical voice over the last century, he said, if Christians would actually put into practice the teachings of Jesus, all of India would be Christians today. Mike Pilavachi, who I mentioned a minute ago, said the anointing of God rides on our obedience. The most anointed people I've met, coincidentally, are also the most obedient. Faith without works is dead. It's not challenging like words to us. So I want to challenge you, like here in lockdown, here in a world which is probably not as we'd have chosen it to be. Like what does it look like to actually enact the will of God. Now, it probably means not history-making, world-changing in the grandest scheme, I would imagine. But what would it look like to just see God's will done on your street, like with your neighbors? I feel like I've had better conversations with my next-door neighbors in the last two weeks than I've had in the last decade. Well, decade? No, I've only been here a year. In the last year. Like, there is so many ways that we can be involved. Organizations continue to approach us as Vinci Pasadena, like, who want to work with us to see God's will done in Pasadena, particularly with the lost and the lonely and the least. So what would God's will look like? And so I want to encourage you to not just pray, but I want to encourage you to make some choices today. What would it look like to get out and do some? And then finally this, and if ever there was a word which is to moms today and to those of us who are in lockdown, the final thing Paul prays is this, that they would have the fruit of patient endurance. Oh, moms, please, that you would know God's blessing on your life to have the fruit of patient endurance. He says in verse 11, he says that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you'd have great endurance and patience. You know, it's one thing to know God's will. It's another thing to do something about it in the immediate moment, but it's another thing to keep on keeping on over the days, over the months. And, and I don't know about you, but I am learning so much about what it means to just keep on even when you can't see the end in sight. You know, the kingdom of God is miraculous and it is, Jesus talks about the miracles, but also he talks about the gradual growth. Jesus used these metaphors. He uses metaphors about breakthrough, but he also uses so many metaphors about process, about miracles and slow growth. In fact, pretty much all Jesus' metaphors are about slow growth. He talks about seeds growing into trees. He talks about babies growing into adults. You know, I've seen too many of my friends over the years give up when life is hard. I've seen too many of my friends say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm all in because I want to be a history maker. And then when life gets tough and things don't work out with the health and the wealth and the prosperity thing or whatever it might be, that they just go, okay, I'm, I'm out. And I just wonder if maybe there are a few of us today, you know, you've been really suffering over this coronavirus time. And maybe you just found yourself thinking, you know what, I don't know if I want to do this Jesus thing anymore. You know, I just, I just don't know if I can go through any more of this. And I, I just feel like God might want to say to you, hey, keep on, keep on keeping on because God is faithful. He is good. And like Paul, I want to pray for you that you would know what it means to have that ability to keep on through the difficult times. You know, Paul wants to pray that we wouldn't be a victim to the instant culture that we used to live in probably you know, five weeks ago, 10 weeks ago now, when you could get instant everything. Now it's like, order it and who knows when it might come. But 
that we would learn through this time the art, the beauty, the joy of just following through and being people who don't give up, but just do the work of the kingdom of God over time. You know, if Jesus is anything to go by, and I think he is, he says that we grow through suffering and we grow through slow growth. We grow through battle and we grow through betrayal. We grow